0: Hi, I'm Brad Constantine, and this is a Come Follow Me podcast of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official podcast of the Church, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. This year's study is the Book of Mormon. Each week, a new summary podcast of that week's Book of Mormon chapters will be released. But if you want a more detailed analysis of each individual chapter, those will also be available to listen to. I hope this Come, Follow Me resource will be helpful to you. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified each week of a new episode. I hope you like this uh, format. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Come, Follow Me podcast of the Book of Mormon. This one is going to be regarding Alma chapter 30 to 31, and we'll cover the time frame of July 6th through the 12th. So as we get into chapter 30 of Alma, this is a story mostly about Coryhor. And uh, before I read that, just this introduction statement here, the Savior declared that one of the signs preceding his return to the earth in the latter days would be the prevalence and proliferation of false teachings. Uh, in the book of Matthew, it states, For in those days there shall also arise false Christs and false prophets, who shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect who are the elect according to the covenant. So the reason that this story of Coryhor is in here is because Mormon knows that this is going to pertain to us. And so he's including the story of Coryhor in here uh, to show us uh, how, to, how to defend ourselves or how to deal with uh, those that oppose uh, the teachings of Jesus Christ. So it mentions in the first part that there was peace for a while. Uh, mentions in verse four that people had no disturbance in the sixteenth year, and then it says in um, verse six, "It came to pass in the latter end of the seventeenth or of the seventeenth year, there came a man into the land of Zarahemla." So we know that this is uh, going to be Coryhor, and he comes forth. Uh, to preach against the gospel. Now we know that it was uh, not contrary to the law to have a belief. You could believe in things as long as you didn't enforce it by the sword, like uh, what happened to Gideon when he was killed uh, by Sherem. Uh, But that, uh, but a person could could believe whatever they wanted. Uh, but it was the division and the pro- and the divisiveness that was occurring that was causing some of the problems. Uh, but he's teaching against uh, against the Savior's teaching. Uh, mentions in verse um, in verse 13 that he says, "O ye that are bound down under a foolish and a vain hope, why do ye yoke yourselves with such foolish things?" So he's saying that these things are foolish. Why do ye look for a Christ? For no man can know of anything which is to come. Uh, wondering how he, he learned that? Does he does he learn this by revelation that you can't learn by any, of anything to come? Uh, in which case he's being uh, hypocritical here. Uh, anyway, he's talking about prophecies in verse 14. How do you know of their surety in verse 15? Uh, you look forward and say that that you receive remission of your sins, but behold, this is the effect of a frenzied mind. Um, and so uh, that's kind of once you can't uh, win an argument, then you just call people names. And that's what he's doing here. You're just crazy is what he's saying. Um, then in verse, uh, let's see, 38, he did preach or 18. He did preach unto them, leading away the hearts of many. And so lots of people are believing him. Um, in verse 19, it mentions that he went to the land of Jershon. Now remember that the, the people in Jershon are the people of Ammon who were converted unto the Lord. And it may be that he's among them because he thought, well, they just changed one religion. Maybe they'll change another religion too. Uh, and so he goes to them, but they're not having it. In fact, they, they bring him. They carry uh, Korihor before Ammon, and they just uh, carry him out, out of the land of Jershon. And then he goes to Gideon. And in Gideon, he uh, again preaches to them. Um, verse 23, and now the high priest was Gedona, so he's preaching to Gidona. Um Verse 24, he says, you see that this people is a free people. I say that they are in bondage because they have these beliefs of, of God and so on. Uh, he says again in 26, you say that there that Christ shall come, uh, but you do not know that there shall be a Christ. Um, and thus you lead away the people. Um, verse 29. Now when the high priest and the chief judge saw the hardness of his heart, they saw that he would revile against uh, God, uh, that they would not make any reply to his words. Um, and so they're they're um, going to not argue with him because there's no point in it because because he's so hard hearted. So then they bring Coryhor to Alma down in verse 39, uh, and then Alma begins to question him. Now Alma, um, remember, he's the high priest; he's the leader over the church, um, and so uh, they're gonna. So he's gonna question Coryhor, and he says, um, you know, in verse 35, uh, "Why sayest thou that we preach unto this people to get gain? Uh, you know that we don't." Uh, And then he says in verse 37, when Alma said unto him, Believest thou that there is a God? He answered, Nay. And when Alma uh, said unto him, Will ye deny again that there is no God? And also deny that there is a Christ and that he shall come? Uh, And then he says in verse 40, Now what evidence have ye that there is no God? So this is a good question to ask people. uh, Because um, oftentimes when we're asked to prove that there is a God... Um, of course, the answer to the question is, well, just look around you. Everything testifies that there's a God. The fact that there's an earth, that, that you are there, testifies that there is a God. Uh, but that doesn't help them. So in, in a- asking an atheist or somebody like that to prove that there is no God, there's really it's really hard for them to answer that question. Um, somebody once said... Um, Okay, in order to prove that there is no God, he would have to perceive every cubic meter of the universe simultaneously. This creates a paradox. In order for Corey Hoare to prove there is no God, he would have to be a God himself. Therefore, in declaring there is no God, he is acting on faith, the very thing for which he so sharply derides the religious leaders. Um, and, but to prove that there is a God, it only takes one experience to prove that. And that is by our, if one person had seen God, then that's enough evidence that there is a God. And if we feel his presence, that's also evidence that there is a God. <clears throat> verse 41, behold, I have all these things as a testimony that these things are true, is, Alma, is what Alma saying. Uh, then in verse 42, he kind of cuts through this. He says, behold, I know that thou believest, but thou art possessed with a lying spirit. And ye have put off the spirit of God that it may have no place in you. So he's saying that you know that this is true, but Satan has convinced you otherwise. And so you're um, you're just following what Satan wants you to say. Um, then in verse um, 43, down in the middle, he says, Will you tempt your God? Will you say, show unto me a sign? When you have the testimony of all these thy brethren, and also all the holy prophets, the scriptures are laid before you. And all these planets which, have mo- which move in their regular form do witness that there is a supreme creator. I like what uh, R- Ronald Reagan is supposed to have said, Sometimes when I'm faced with an atheist, I am tempted to invite him to the greatest gourmet dinner that one has ever served. And when we have finished eating that magnificent dinner, to ask him if he believes there's a cook. And so, uh, as we as we talk to those that don't believe in God, what evidence would they have? Um, and they just by looking around, you can tell that there is a God. Verse 45, and he says, "And yet ye do go about leading away the hearts of this people, uh, testifying unto them that there is no God. And yet will ye deny against all these witnesses?" And he said, "Yea, I will deny, except ye shall show unto me a sign." And then Alma says, you know, I'm really sorry, I'm grieved because of the hardness of your heart. But verse 47, but it is better that thy soul should be lost than that thou shouldst be the means of uh, deceiving these people. Now remember when Alma uh, receives the visitation by the angel, the angel says the same thing to him. Wilt thou of thyself be destroyed? Uh, it's better that that, that that you be destroyed than that the uh, people that uh, you've been teaching be destroyed. So Alma is saying the very same things that the angel told him. It's also similar wording to what Nephi felt or Nephi heard when he was to slay Laban, that it's better that one man perish than that nation dwindle in unbelief. Now, Corey Corey kind of changes his tune a little bit in verse 48. He says, I do not deny the existence of a God, but I do not believe that there is a God. And I also say that ye do not know that there is a God, except ye show me a sign I will not believe. So uh, one of the last things that a person that seeks for a sign wants is a sign. And so here Alma says to him in verse 49, This will I give thee for a sign that thou shalt be struck dumb. And so he is struck dumb. Uh, This is not something that he'd hoped for, I guess, but uh, he is struck dumb. And then in verse 51, it says, Art thou convinced of the power of God? And then he says in 52, I know that I am dumb, for I cannot speak, and I know that nothing save it were the power of God could bring this upon me. And remember, he has to write all this down. He can't speak, so he's writing it down. Um, But behold, the devil hath deceived me, for he appeared unto me in the form of an angel. So even Satan has the ability to, to appear as an angel of light to deceive people. And uh, once we have uh, turned ourselves over to uh, to whichever side we're choosing, uh, whether it be God or Christ, the ultimate um, the ultimate sign is uh, that we see whoever we're serving as a master. Um, verse 54. Now, when he had said this, he besought that Alma should pray that the curse might be lifted. Uh, that's uh, oftentimes the case that the person that's given the curse like this wants the curse to be taken away. But Alma says, if I do that, then you're just going to continue to go around doing uh, perverting the way and teaching still. So he doesn't lift the curse and God didn't either. So now because uh, Corihor had been an attorney, which he earned his living by speaking, now he has no means of earning an income. So now he has to go from door to door to to seek for Uh, food and and so on, food and help. But uh, among the people here, he doesn't receive it, so he's going to go to to the Zoramites. uh, But there it says in verse 59, uh, And thus he went forth amongst them. Uh, Behold, he was run upon and trodden down even until he died, until he was dead. And thus we see, so here's Mormon with a teaching moment, the end of him who perverteth the ways of the Lord, and thus we see that the devil will not support his children at the last day, but doth speedily drag them down to hell. And so here we see uh, how he was not helped at the end, and that he, he was uh, ended up uh, dying by the by some trampling. I'm not sure what exactly happened, um, but anyway, Korihor's um, end was not what he had hoped. Uh, then chapter 31 of Alma. Uh, now this is uh, where Alma and his and a few of his other um, missionary helpers are going to go to the Zoramites and uh, preach the gospel to them. Uh, he, he believes that uh, in, verse th- in verse 5 it mentions that the preaching of the word had a tendency to lead the people to do that which was just. Yea, it had had more powerful effect upon the minds of the people than the sword or anything else which had happened unto them. Therefore Alma thought it was expedient that they should try the virtue of the word of God. President Benson said that if we, that the gospel is the only answer to the problems of the world that in spite of the fact that there will be peace conferences and so on, uh, and people crying peace, uh, that the only peace there is is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's why we send missionaries throughout the world, is to try to convert them so that the wars can cease and we can have peace in in the world. Uh, So anyway, Alma in verse 6 heads off with Ammon and Omner and Aaron, and also with Amulek and Zeezrom. Uh, Also he takes with him his two sons, Shiblon and Corianton, uh, to be among the people of the Zoramites now the Zoramites have a particularly interesting religion they uh, each go forth on this on the day of the lord that they call it and they go up on onto, onto a stand and they all say this very self-same uh, prayer that they that they say to God and and they say how that they are the elect and that they've been blessed by god and and they're sure sorry for the rest of the people that aren't them and and so they say all these prayers and this is upon what's called the Ramayumptum So they they go to this place that's called the Holy Stand. And there they say this prayer and they all do it individually, but they all say exactly the same thing. Uh, But then it mentions that uh, after that they go home and they don't even think about God anymore. Verse 23 says that they return to their homes, never speaking of their God again until they assemble themselves together. So this is a one day a week event here and they don't even mean what they're saying. These are kind of like vain repetitions that they're just saying words that are not really truly heartfelt. And then Alma, because he's sorry to see all of this, it says in verse 24, he was grieved for he saw that they were a wicked and a perverse people. So he prays to God that he might have strength to withstand this. And also he's praying for his fellow missionaries. Uh, He says in verse 32, give that, wilt thou give comfort to my soul and unto me success and also my fellow laborers. So that here they, as they begin their labors among the Zoramites. Uh, They're praying to have success, knowing that uh, this is going to be difficult. Down in verse uh, 36, it says that uh, Alma, after he had prayed, clapped his hands upon all of them who were with him. Now, when when it says clapped his hands, they really just mean that they were being set apart as missionaries. Uh, so he placed their hands upon their head and, and set them apart so that they could go forth to preach the gospel. And so this is the the beginning of the labors here of Alma and his, his brethren as they go forth among the Lamanites. So I'm sure that in the next couple of chapters, we'll probably hear how that went. So I bear testimony of the truth of these things and that we can withstand the words of, of antichrists and those that oppose this work. And that the reason that we have chapter 30 is uh, because we, uh, Mormon knew that this was going to affect us personally in, in the latter days because we have antichrists in our time too. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next week at the next podcast. Oh, by the way, if you want more details of each of these chapters, there's individual podcasts for each chapter in the Book of Mormon. Hope you know that. Bye.